You are listening to an M Pavilion podcast. Okay, cool. Well, it's lovely down here today. Um, have you guys been here for a little while now, sitting around, just chilling? Yeah. Okay, um, well, before I start, I just want to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and pay my respects to elders and through to all them other uh, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people that may be here with us today. Um, my name is Celeste Carnegie. I'm a Beragaba uh, South Sea Islander woman from far north Queensland, um, the Burdekin region, which is Air Home Hill. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's a little small country town. It's like one road, which is the motorway. <laughs> you just drive through, basically. Um, so that's what my country is, but I grew up in Townsville. And I've been in Sydney now for four years. Um, so I come from a, a small uh, family. It's just me, my mum my, uh, my and my sister. And my father lives over in NZ. Um, you know, but th- through that, it does take a village to raise a child and between four grandparents, eight aunties, one uncle and 40 first cousins alone, um, <laughs> I say that's a pretty big village. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, you know, I've also been shaped by my community as well um, and, and and learning to understand my place within my community and the role that I play. Um, but yeah, so we're here today... Tech yarns with CC. <laughs> I thought that was the most casual <laughs> way I could, I could title the, this little event. Um, but yeah, so tech is not really something I thought I would be doing at all. Um, growing up in high school, I was, a, I was an athlete. I was playing netball and basketball. And for a very long time, that was my career path because um, that's all I knew. I didn't realise there were other things out there that I could be doing. So... Um, but I've always been tech savvy, always loved playing around with things at home there because that was my job in the house, you know, get the computer and the TV working because no one else wanted to do it. Um, but, yeah, so I've always had that, that love for technology and been tech savvy. So I think I was, I was working for a not-for-profit in um, Sydney there and I just finished up at that job and I was looking for, for new work and this other organisation called Indigenous Digital Excellence approached me and said, look, do you want to come and work for us, um, because you can facilitate, you're good at facilitation. I was like, yeah, cool. And so I took that job, got in there, didn't know really know any of the technology they were using. So basically, had to to teach myself how to use the technology they were working with. And then from there, I was going out to remote uh, communities in Broome, um, up in the Northern Territory, uh, South Australia, um, Victoria, even like Roburn. Gammon, Gammon, that's not that's Western Australia. What? Where did I go? I went to. Yeah, see? She's gone too many places. Um, oh, it's one little country town out, out in Victoria somewhere. But, yeah, so I've been all over. Um, and then that's where it started, I guess. And then I took a – I went and did a degree at um, – well, I started it. <laughs> I started it. Um, yeah, so that's – and then so then this technology, the STEM career just started progressing and taking off. And I thought, well, yeah, well, I, I really enjoy this and I'm working with my mob. Um, I get to, you know, hopefully be a mentor and a role model for our young people as well and also be that person that um, other, other First Nations women can look at and say, well, she's doing it, I can do it too. So, um, you know, I was just in the right place at the right time and I knew the right people and, yeah, and it just, it just started to take off and um, 
I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know, and there's this, there's this argument constantly about um, STEM versus STEAM, um, science, technology, engineering, arts and maths. Um, and I get that question a lot. Well, why do, you, why do you like STEAM? Why not just STEM? And I say, well, because the arts is what connects all those disciplines. It's what can allow you to be creative and, and design and, um, you know, use your imagination and, and shape how you want this product or this concept to, to come out. So it's been a, a process and a way of learning for me. I am, I am a First Nations woman, but there are certain things in my culture that I'm still, that I'm having to learn now, that have been there since, you know, 80,000 years ago, but I'm now only learning them. So um, I currently work at the Museum of, of Applied Arts and Sciences in Sydney. It's a science and technology museum, so I do a lot of innovation there and, well, innovation. Um, so I currently work on a project called Agrobots, and that incorporates agricultural robots with ancient farming practices. So we're looking at indigenous land management systems and environmental sciences of our peoples um, and how we can incorporate in these, these robots and how we can use them to identify native crops and plants and um, pesticides and weeds and how we can uh, cultivate this land with these robots. So I work with some pretty amaz amazing engineers over at um, University of Sydney's Australian Centre for Field Robotics. Um, you know, and they've got aerial uh, robots, they have submersive, um, but they have a whole fleet basically of uh, these agricultural robots um, that look over crops and basically what they were trying to do was uh, farmers found that the kids aren't staying on the, on the farm anymore, you know, and the, these small farmers need help. So they created these, these robots that were um, customisable so you could change out um, whatever attachment you needed to do whatever job and you could code it. So they were all, and it was all off the shelf. So farmers could just fix it themselves and, and go for gold. Um, but it's been interesting in learning about indigenous sciences and this, this constant um, push for, it's indigenous science, but really it's just science. It's, it's, not, it's not this whole other, you know, fantasy world, folklore type of science. Um, you know, we've been here for, you know, over 80,000 years. I'm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> you start to learn about things, uh, <laughs> especially the land that you're so connected to. Um, you know, and that's, and that's why, you know, I'm learning that everything we did wasn't just uh, foraging and accidentally coming across certain things. Everything was strategic and abundant. Um, you know, and that type of science right there where we were most likely conducting experiments and recording information and, and trying new things and failing at some things, maybe being really successful at other things. Um, but I'm finding that a lot of people ask, well, what can you know, our science and technology do for your culture? Well, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> what can my culture do to enhance your science and technology? Because um, we've been doing it a lot longer. So it's just, it's science and it's, and it's something that should just be incorporated above everything else. I mean, most of the time, and a lot of our mob, especially our elders and people with cultural knowledge systems, they have to be environmental scientists, they have to be archaeologists, anthropologists, like they have to be everything in the one. Um, but it's amazing for me to feel as though I can transform like that and feel connected to a, a culture that's so strong. Um, but it's, really, it's, really, it's a really proud moment as well. Um, but 
you can stop me any time and just ask whatever questions you want to ask because, like, there's only five of us here. <laughs> like, um, but, yeah, but do you just want to have a yarn or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not so much the robots um, that have surprised me in the way. I think it's working with the engineers. The engineers have really surprised me because they're all men. They're 100% men. <laughs> and, they're, and they, like when I first started at uh, UCID, I, um, there was no male toilet, there was no female toilets in the lab. <laughs> like, because it was an old faculty building. So back then when they first built that faculty, they, they, mustn't, they mustn't have had to put uh, female toilets in. So like you had to go all the way up to like level four just to go to the toilet and I'd be like busting, you know. <laughs> Getting wild too. Where are these toilets? Um, yeah, but it's been interesting interacting with them and, um, and you know, you've got to like plant seeds. <laughs> you've got to plant seeds, you know, where, where you want to kind of influence a certain decision. But it's, um, it's been interesting working with them because they're, they're these brilliant minds. They're extremely intelligent um, and the way they think about things even, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> that didn't even occur to me, but that's fine. Um, yeah. Yes. So I'm the I'm the person between my, the museum and and these engineers who 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 mediates basically, and is that connection between the two, um, and I'm the one that's you know creating this. So it's a pilot project, you know, and it's it's interesting because I haven't been able to model it off anything. I'm starting from scratch. Um, there's nothing for me to look at and say oh, I can take, you know, because. There's other people that are doing robots and ancient farming practices. Um, but I have, we have Bruce Pascoe, who's the author of Dark Emu. He's our elder in residence at the museum, so he's been working on that project as well. So there's this, these people surrounding this project that are just have all this cultural knowledge. Um, so I'm learning a lot in how I interact with engineers, but I'm also learning a lot from these elders and these people who have all this knowledge. And um, I guess it's kind of thinking about how I can incorporate that cultural knowledge into everything that I do, not just in certain projects here and there, um, but within everything that I work on, that I create. Um, and I just think it makes it for a better project anyway because I'm passionate about it then and it's, yeah. No, definitely not. And, you know, mob, we're, we're multifaceted. You know, there's going to be so many overlaps of, uh, overlays of everything that we do because they're all intertwined, especially when you're working with community and you're working with mob. It's, you have to be on point with all these different areas because at any point in time, you have to, you have to bring them all out because um, you have to improvise as well. You, can't, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> so you have to be ready to, to tailor a program or a project to a community or an individual because every, and I will say, I've been to a lot of communities, not one of them have been the same ever yeah um you know and that's what i'm saying i'm learning this stuff but when i go out to a community they're just they've just been some of these communities i go to they've just been doing it they just do it all the time um but now it's just how can we support our communities and give them the knowledge and the, and the resources and the tools they need to conduct their own research rather than having people come in and doing it for them yeah yeah 100 percent. they're um even just with because there's, there's this like spectrum of people who are these high-end you know, developers. I know a lot of black fellows who are who are really deadly IT people, and then there's this other end where people who are just you know touching this technology for the first time, and they've never seen it. It's like a whole new device. You know, I remember taking drones up to Alco Island, 
and just taking some shots of the beach and people were like, what is that in the sky? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's okay, like, you know. I'll tell you a funny story though, there's like crocs up there in that water, you know, I and mean, it was so hot, like I was sweating. And then one afternoon I see all these little kids with towels eh, going down to the, to the beach and I was like, they're not swimming, are they? <laughs> I ran down there, jumped in, because they were out further. <laughs> I was like, it's all right, yeah. They'll get taken first. <laughs> no, I've had all the uncles and aunties standing up on the rocks looking out, but you know, anyway. <laughs> I've had so, I've got so many funny stories from working in communities. It's so, but um, yeah, it's like, it's this new thing and um, they're really eager to know what it is and they're really curious about it. It's not like they, you know, technology's not taboo, you know, um, because. We've had our boomerangs and our spears, and which are all forms of technology, which all had a purpose um, and were used quite successfully. So, yes, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I think if you, if you plan for that in the very beginning, it can be. Um, but there are instances where, you know, a lot of people do get... You know, things are taken and not given back and, you know, certain cultural knowledge is taken and misappropriated. Um, so with this, with the mob that I work with, I've, with these engineers, there was a um, intellectual property agreement set out in the very beginning from the get-go that any cultural knowledge that's provided to this project is, is ours. Yeah, so this is not something that you can just take and roll with on your own accord. Exactly, and data is the new oil. So we have to be very careful as First Nations people what we're doing with our data and where it's going and who's distributing it and how they're collecting it um, because people are essentially making money off of that. So if we, can, if we can collect our own data and distribute it in the way that you know, we want to, and that's what, yeah, that's what Bruce Pascoe talks about a lot is how can we profit off our own culture rather than someone else? Um, which I think is very important in all aspects, especially with food security, and especially with this project that I'm working on, because we're talking about native crops and plants that haven't been grown for a long period of time because, you know, ca the cattle and sheep that were brought over here just, you know, created um, barren lands and, you know, they ate all the tops off of Murnong yam daisies. And, and these are fields that, as far as the eye could see, were just covered in, in native crops and plants. And that wasn't just the case of it being accidental. You know, that was a strategic uh, mapping of land. Um, but yeah, so it's, I'm learning a lot through this process um, and then having to collaborate with these engineers and work in these, this emerging technology. Um, yeah, so we're working on educational resources at the moment uh, for high school students and then hopefully venture into that vocational uh, training in prisons. So... There's a farm out there in, in New South Wales that has their own farm. Um, it's, yeah, this prison that has their own farm, and it's like they produce 80% of the prison population in New South Wales. Their, um, what is it called? Their produce. Yeah. So it's like there's all these little things that you can tap into, and there's people out there already doing, you know, already doing these things, and we just need to... It's interesting because my, my job that I'm working in now, it didn't exist when I was in high school. It wasn't, that's not, it wasn't a thing. Like who's connect, who connects robots and traditional indigenous land management systems? Like that doesn't that didn't exist. Um, so when we talk about these jobs of the future, I'm always telling kids I'm actually in one. I'm actually doing it. My job is actually a job of the future. Um, so it's possible. 
we just need to equip our young people with that capability building so they can use this technology and so they have access to those jobs in the future because at this point, we're missing out, and which means they're gonna miss out on those jobs of the future as well. Um, so that's, you know, that's why I advocate strongly for our young people with technology and digital technologies and also First Nations women. Just women period as well, so yeah. Um, you know, because I always say, you know, you've got Indigenous Australians who's, who's missing out on these, on this tech and then you've got women. What happens when it's First Nations women? You know, you, there's um, a doubling of sword, I guess, and it's... So, I mean, it's a, it's a journey, but um, I get enough, <laughs> get enough support and it's something that can change. Um, and it's not that communities don't want to be involved. They, they definitely do. Um, they just don't know how. Yeah. How much is it um, you taking this to them and introducing something new to them and how much is in them actually? I mean, I guess some of it they might not know about until you bring it to them, but um, what, are they receptive to it when you bring it to them and, and what's the sort of response? We, uh, I like to think that um, us blackfellas, we're just natural problem solvers. We're just good at problem solving. So anything you put in front in front of us, it, we can just pick it up and, and run with it because we've always been technologists and engineers and innovators. That's always been, it's just innate. We're now just using the different tools. It's just different tools we have to pick up. Um, so, you know, I'll teach, I'll teach some parents' classes, some, some adults and community members, and they'll pick it up and, you know, ask lots of questions. I'll take it into the kids' class and it's just like, I don't even have to, I don't even have to try. They'll be teaching me things. <laughs> Let me get in real shame too. Like, oh, okay, cool, put that down. <laughs> okay, we get it. <laughs> no, yeah, so they're just, they're quick learners. They're fast learners. Yeah, especially when they're having fun. Yeah, so that's why wherever you can, technology and that, and that, that um, adding in, you know, incorporating in their culture is so important because, you know, they're missing out as well because they can't identify with these programs and the way that they're being taught. They can't see themselves. They can't see themselves in it. And you can't be what you can't see. And that's why representation matters. Um, you know, which is why I love working with young people because I can rock up in there and be this technologist and I look like them, you know? Um, but yeah. Yeah, they're very receptive. <laughs> yeah, they're very engaged. Yeah, I've had a, yeah, I've had a lot of... Um, situations where a child hasn't been coming to school at all and will be there for that week and then his attendance for the next, you know, month or so is, is fairly high. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, in my, in my yeah, <laughs> we're still in this, in the job I'm working in now, um, we're doing delivery quite soon. Um, that's out at Chifley College and Bidwell Campus there, which is like Mount Druitt Way. And they um, they have a farm on their, on their property. Yeah, they've got some cattle, they've got some sheep. So I'm going to do a, a, a session out there with them and take the robot out on the farm. And um, yes, yeah, so that's, that's, so that's some pilot testing right there. So that should be interesting. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we can chop and change where we feel we need to. But that's the great thing about technology. You can, you have to be able to improvise and adapt at any point in time because, as we know, anything can go wrong. <laughs> any piece of technology could just break down and you will never know why. But, um, yeah. 
So I think that's the part I love about technology and working in, in the STEM space as well because, um, and the Sarah and I were talking about this before, is that you go where you grow. I think that's why I love the, tech, the STEM space so much because I have to constantly evolve because the technology is evolving as well. Um, and I feel as though I, am, I have to do this because there's not many of our mob that are. Um, and not because that I want to. Yeah. So... Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah, there is. So there's there's a shared vision, long term. So short term, it's educational resources, and there's a shared vision that long term, we're helping communities you know, participate in the agricultural economy, and set up their own sustainable farms with native crops and native plants. So there's there is a there's possibilities and op there's opportunities to to scale it to that level, um, but at the same time, with all indigenous programming. <sighs> There's always there's limited resources um, that we have to work with. Not something that I particularly agree with, but it's yeah you have to you have to make sure that you're 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 taking every single piece of of funding or resource that you have and you're really using them the best you can. Um, because then also if you want you know there's that stage where you want to get refunded, so you have to you have to do as much as you possibly can to get to that point with the limited resources that you got. Yeah. So it can be quite frustrating sometimes, but you know that, and that's not just that's from corporates through to not for profits. So it's not just it's not just not for profits that struggle. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, oh, I can't say that there's any one pathway that, that I can, because everyone, everyone's on their own journey. Everyone's on their own timeline. Um, everyone has different interests as well. I came from sport and now I work in, in tech, you know, and some people might, some girls love tech and that's, that's, they already made up their mind. So I think, um, I think the key messages I would have for, for young girls would be, um, well, for me, is that any opportunity that came my way, I just said yes. Yeah. When I was younger, when I, I just said yes because I didn't know, even if I didn't like it, if, even if I didn't know what it was, <laughs> you know, I just got up there and I said yes because I could drop out of this at any point. That's okay. But you never know who you're going to meet. Um, you know, I could say that I'm here because, you know, based on all this merit and um, because I'm this PhD student, or, but I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And um, met some really amazing people who also believed in me and, and supported me through that um, through that dream as well. And then my second message will prob probably be um, be transdisciplinary. 
um, I feel collaborating with different people with, from different backgrounds and um, on, on different projects is, uh, is really important and it's a, it's a skill to have, I think, because I mean, I've worked on a lot of projects where um, people don't like doing the teamwork thing or don't like collaborating, but then you miss out on really amazing opportunities. Um, there's a lot more that can happen when you work together. Um, and being able to to bring out those different layers in a project as well is a, is a skill. And I think that's you, you, is an asset. So, and then third would be use your voice. <laughs> your voice is powerful beyond measure. Uh, I'm still learning, um, you know, to have a voice. There's still certain situations I get into where I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm just won't say anything. But you know, and then I get wild at myself because I should have said something. So. I think that's really important is use your voice and um, stand strong in your in your values and, and what you believe in and just go for it. Do the work, show up and and trust yourself basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm still getting there. I'm only 24, so I got a long way. I got a long way to go. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is why yeah, which I'm I'm still on a journey. <laughs> Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> oh, luckily I don't have to do that. Um, but yeah. Indigenous X. Um, what stuff was he on it about? Yeah, that's because he's my bungee. <laughs> <laughs> and Liam's my biggest fan. <laughs> no, them fellas, um, he runs a program called uh, Digitech, which is a um, a network for mob who work in the STEM space. And so there's they have monthly meetups. Um, I just had one here down in Melbourne um, the other week, I think, in partnership with... Yeah. Liam and Karen, yeah, they were down here. Yeah, they did. Um, so that's really cool. So there's, there's support systems out there for black fellas in tech when they feel feeling, you know, a bit isolated because they can get isolating. Um, but there's, there's support systems there. If you just need to know how to access them. And most of the time it's just word of mouth and, you know, being in community and being with the mob. So, yeah. Um, any other questions? <laughs> <laughs> Um, when did you get here? <laughs> okay. Uh, we're just talking about STEAM, the, st the, st the STEM space. So science, technology, engineering and maths. Yeah. Yeah. So I work in that space, yeah. Yeah. Because there's too many um, men making decisions. <laughs> They don't have the best interests of, of the whole world, I would say. But um <laughs> Well we are the superior Yeah. <laughs> no, that, I shouldn't say that, but um
I think um, I, the reason I like to I advocate for women in this space is purely because we nurture safe spaces and we nurture that inclusivity of spaces. Um, and especially, and as a First Nations woman, it's, it's, I'm always looking to my community to, to pick me up and, and put me back out there and say, get back out there and go. <laughs> you got five minutes to, <laughs> to have a look, then you got to go again. Um, but you know, I'm, and at some point too, there's, there's points where I've reached where I don't, I don't want to work with anyone else but women. Um, <laughs> um, Michaela Jade, the CEO and founder of Indigital. Um, uh, who else? You know what? I got to, I got to put it to my mum. Actually, oh, she's a tough love lady. <laughs> oh, um, and my sister. Yeah, they've, they've taught me how to, how to live, how to share, how to fight, how to protect each other. Um, you basically had to be a warrior, and without their guidance, I don't think. Yeah, I think that they've shaped the woman I am today, and I'm very proud of of where I am and considering the the struggle and the trauma that I've had to come through to get here, um, and that's and that's because of those two women. So, yeah, some people don't have that luxury, no. It is, and Aboriginal Aboriginal culture is is so diverse, and um, we're not all we're not. I can't speak on behalf of all Aboriginal Shana people, but I will say that we're very diverse in, in our cultures from our different communities. Mm. Um. Yeah. Any more questions at all? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It depends because you it, and it comes down to the um, facilitation or the delivery of that because you there's so much indigenous content out there. It's out there. There's there's, there's so many resources for people to access. Like, the information is there. There's no excuse anymore. The thing is, we, it's about um, capability building and how people deliver it because that's just as important as the content. Um, so, for instance, for me, it's, it's the same content. I might just change up how I deliver it when I'm out there. Yeah, based on the community and, ba and based on how they're engaging, you know. Because um, then it's also about them. It's also about me having to build this relationship straight off the bat and get them to trust me enough to, to work in, in their community. So... Um, you know, because my community back home, it's you got to you got to know someone. You know, you got to you got you have people to vouch for you. So, yeah. Um, hmm. I had a different yarn it prepared. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. You are listening to an M Pavilion podcast, conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at library.mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.